another day Another dollar Makes you wonder where your money went You can scream And you can holler Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times The things that we can all do to live a better life When times get tough Or even if they don't Dictated is uh, almost always the case now from the home office. I am running up to Frisco um, today, but I couldn't do a mobile podcast for you because the old headset died almost um, very fittingly on the last day that I was regularly mobile podcasting. Uh, the new headset that I have for the remote recorder um, has a tinny sound in it. Uh, it kind of sounds like metal. So until I uh, find a new headset, it's going to be hard for me to do any more mobile casting even when I get the opportunity uh, like today. So I got up early today, knocked this show out quick. It might publish a little bit late because uh, I'll probably upload the file and do the editing at the office. But uh, just so you know, I am mobile today, so I might be longer in getting back to you if you have any tech support needs or anything like that. Um, with that said, let's go ahead and get into today's show. What am I going to do today? I've been had a lot of qu- requests to do a show for people that are brand new. People that have got nothing done, they're just they're just sitting there. Uh, they don't have they have no preparedness taken care of whatsoever, uh, and they want to know where to start, or they want um, to to feel like there is a way to get somewhere because they're they're so underwater with doing nothing that they feel like I can never get anywhere. So that's what we're going to do today. Uh, today is uh, the fourteenth of January. It's a Thursday. This is episode three hundred and fifty six of the Survival Podcast. And uh, before we get into uh, the main topic, I'm going to do the typical housekeeping with a couple additional announcements. Announcement number one, so I don't forget to do it. Region 4, uh, which is uh, the, uh, the the north central region, basically, uh, up and around in the, uh, the area around like Illinois, uh, Indiana, Wisconsin, uh, that area of the United States is having a get-together. And uh, I don't know if it's a big get-together. I really haven't checked it out, but I was asked if I would mention uh, that they're having uh, a, a meet-and-greet type event. Uh, they are, so I want you, if you live in that area, to go by the forum uh, today. Check out Region 4 board. I'll put a link in today's show notes as well to the link that they sent me. And uh, see if maybe there's some folks you could get out there and meet and greet. I think that would be great. I want more and more people to do that, actually meeting people face-to-face, pressing palms in real life. Extending that community, knowing who you can count on, who you can depend on if you ever have to. Uh, next, let's take care of our sponsors of the day today. Sponsor of the day number one is the Lifesaver 4000 water bottle, which makes pure, clean, drinkable water out of just about any mess you can find water in, um, other than certain chemicals. If you have something that's, tr- you know, infested with cyanide, uh, it's not going to make it safe to drink, but it filters down to .015 microns. That means it doesn't just filter out uh, detritus and other things like that. It will filter out bacteria and virus. Uh, the smallest bacteria and virus known to man are point, uh, two, uh, oh, uh, .02 micron, and this is .015, so smaller than them, that means it filters them out, and it's a really cool product, I recommend you check it out, it's a very portable, small product, but it has the ability to make sure that you can drink the water that you find just about anywhere you go, other than maybe in a nuclear landfill. Uh, next up is uh, Tea Party Silver. I love Tea Party Silver. I've bought so many coins from Tea Party Silver. My wife's like, are you even going to buy Silver Eagles at the shop anymore? I don't know. I, <laughs> I, uh, I have quite an extensive silver collection, and it's just cool to have her keep coming out with new and different rounds and different options that I can buy. I'm picking up two and three here. Uh, we gave away some to the kids for Christmas. They all love them. I was actually shocked at how much the nieces and nephews loved getting some silver coins this year um, for Christmas. So these are things to hand down to kids, not just for your own personal collection. Good pricing, excellent service. I just got two emails from two different people who did uh, did business with Mary Beth Maidmont over at uh, Tea Party Silver, extolling how great she was to do business with. One even got to meet her in person. Uh, these are the type of people I bring you as sponsors. People that are personable, that will take care of you. If you look on my site, the survivalpodcast.com, you look at all the sponsors on that site. They're all small businesses. There isn't a single business there that you can't find the name of the owner and get in touch with the owner of the business if you want to. You don't see Walmart. You don't see any big box stores. You don't see any gigantic manufacturers there. There's a reason I'm doing business that way, folks. 
We need, if we want to put the small businessman back into a place where he can help our economy grow, if we want to take care of business being done at home, then we do business with those people. That's how it gets done. You're the one that does it. So I'm trying to set the example there. That's part of why my sponsors are like that. The other thing is they have to go through a hell of an approval process. So uh, I think the small entrepreneur is more willing to stick his neck out to do that. Uh, so those are the sponsors of the day. I want to also let you know um, that we have a really cool gear shop now with uh, T-shirts and coins and stuff like that. Check it out. It's at store.survivalpodcast.net. Store, S-T-O-R-E, dot, survivalpodcast.net. Uh, you can get there from the survivalpodcast.com. You'll see icons to link everywhere off the main site. Uh, you'll see three big icons to go to the forum, uh, the members brigade, and the store right in the center of the main part of the site. <coughs> so with that, um, only thing left today I want to talk about is the members brigade. Uh, you join a members brigade, it's $50 a year or $5 a month, your choice, or you can pay quarterly or semi-annually, uh, but you get a discount to do a year uh, of about 10 bucks. Uh, it comes out to 20 cents an episode if you do $5 a month, and it comes out to uh, something like 16 cents an episode to support the show if you do $50 a year. What do you get? You get all kinds of good stuff. You get a lot of content available only to uh, members. Free ebooks, discounts, things like that. I don't want to go through all of it today. I just want to tell you the three that are, uh, one that was just added, and uh, three that are coming very shortly. One this week, and two as soon as their webmasters get things set up for you. Number one, our existing sponsor, the Berkey guy, has already got things set up for you. I just need to get it added to the Members Brigade back area so you can use it. Uh, he's going to be giving away a free Berkey Sport water bottle, a $29 value, with any and all orders, no minimum. Uh, that's pretty kick-ass. That's that's just awesome. You're going to have to call orders in to claim that discount because he doesn't have an automated way to set that up. Uh, but it is pretty dadgone badass. It really is. Um, next up is um, we now are uh, adding Wilderness Solutions uh, to the Members Brigade as a supporting vendor. They're already there, and you can already order. What do they do? They build fire pistons. These are I, I first saw these on a Les Stroud's show. And they're it's the coolest thing I've ever seen. They almost look like a duck call. Little wooden thing with a plunger in it. And you put a piece of tinder in there and you smack it and the compressed air ignites the tinder. And you have a way to produce fire. Um, he has a beautiful one in Coco Bolo. Kind of a charcoal looking one in an economy plastic model. There's top three models. 10% off to MSB members only. Um, for those three top selling models, that's already available in your members brigade area. Um, Wilderness Solutions, awesome. Uh, they advertised in Wilderness Way, got in touch with the owner and said, hey, would you do something for these guys? He said yes. So those two are done deals. One has to be entered. The uh, fire pistons are already available for order. Um, now, I got two more coming, and they're both committed to doing the seeds of change I've already mentioned, so I won't go long there. Cool heirloom seeds, 10% off everything in their seed catalog. As soon as their webmaster sets it up, it's added. But yesterday I spoke to the people. I'm excited about this one. I'm a big fan of solar ovens. Big fan of solar ovens. So yesterday I spoke to uh, one of the people over at Global Sun Ovens, which make the best model on the market. Now, it's expensive. Uh, with a couple accessories and all, it comes out to about $300. So what can you do for my members? They said, how about 50 bucks off? I said, I'll take it. So $50 off the purchase of a Global Sun Oven. Uh, as soon as they set up their web code, that will be added to the Members Brigade. So, again, one item that covers the full cost of the Members Brigade. And I love those Sun Ovens. Um, I have one of my own. There's some stuff on my YouTube channel, me cooking with mine. Um, it's expensive, but it's the best out there. And it will pay itself back. If you use it throughout the summer, you'll save enough electricity to pay for it in one summer. Uh, and it will work in winter. You just need clear, sunny days. It doesn't need to be warm outside. But most of my winter days are drab and gray and dreary right now, so I haven't been able to use it recently. So there you go. Went a bit long today, but hey, man, I wanted you guys to know uh, repeatedly how much that we're doing here uh, to try to put everything together for you guys so that you have more than just the show to listen to, but a real community and a real store of value. I think it's my job to go out and find the things that 
work well for preparedness. And instead of selling them and hawking them and, and working commissions, hey, you guys support the show if you think it's worth supporting the show. And I just give anything I can get out of these people back to you. I think that's the way to do this. That's the ethical way. And that way I can give you the most that I can possibly get for you. So there you go. Long one on the intro today, but let's get into the main topic today. Um, I, I do want to talk about uh, exactly uh what do we do if we're, we're just brand new? We, we, we don't, we're, we're totally not started. Uh, we're sitting here and we're starting to realize that we're exposed. We feel exposed. We feel like, man, I have to do something. Maybe something's woken you up. Maybe a good friend that listens to the show turns you on to it. Uh, there's so many different reasons that you could finally be saying, hey, I'm willing to take a look at and do a personal assessment of my vulnerabilities and try to do something about them. And start to understand, it's not just about, you know, we don't talk about preparing for the end of the world here very often. We acknowledge the fact that society is fragile and one day could go into total collapse, but we start out by preparing for simple things like power outages, storms, um, and, and all different types of things that happen to people every day, down to something that seems mundane until it happens to you, like losing your job, right? And that uh, that type of thing, even when you make it that small bite, people still look at it and go, wow, and then they start looking at, well, what do people say you should do? And you have a guy that says, this is all the stuff I've done, and he's got a generator, and he's got a huge garden, and he's got six months' worth of food, and he's got all his big, giant four-wheel drive vehicles, and you know he's got a homestead out in the country, and you know you go, man, I, 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 I'm not in it for this. I, I, I can't do all that. Well, the reality is you can if you want to, and it's going to be a journey to decide exactly how and what, how you want to do things, exactly what you want to do and where you want to be toward the end of that journey. The journey will never end. It'll always be, uh, you'll still be going down a trail of preparedness for the rest of your life. But the time where you kind of back off and say, I'm pretty good and I'm just going to keep the ball in bounds, so to speak, is going to be totally up to you. With some people, that's going to be, if I have 30 days of, of, of self-sufficiency in my home, where I can hunker down, and, or it's portable enough that I can take 30 days of self-sufficiency with me, I'm good. I'm not comfortable that way, but if you are, I'm a hell of a lot more comfortable with a few million Americans having 30 days of self-sufficiency than the millions upon millions upon millions right now that have less than three. So I'm okay with that, and it will, to be fair, get you through 99% of anything you'll ever face. It'll be up to you then if you want to prepare for that 1%. So let's start talking about preparing for the 99. And my regular listeners that have been doing this for a long time today, they're going to be like, man, Jack's leaving stuff out and he's making this too easy. And folks, this is about getting to that 99 percentile of preparedness. The 1% is a lot longer of a journey than the 99 we need to get people up to some level of self-sufficiency quickly. And you folks that worry that somebody in your neighborhood will find out you have six worth month of food and come knocking on the door when there's a disaster and want your food, if everybody in your neighborhood gets to where I'm going to put people to today, you can stop worrying about that. That's how simple this is. So the first hurdle that people generally have with this is financial. So they sit down and they look and they go, I don't have enough money to do all this stuff right away. So then there's two things that we need to address. Okay, so the, the way that we find solutions is we first identify the problems. So that's how I'm going to go through this state. So the first problem most people have is a financial problem. So what that means that we need to do is we need to sit down and do an assessment of our vulnerabilities, and we need to focus on two things. Why we have financial shortages in the first place and what we can do to correct that. And what are the things that we can do to shore up our position that costs little or no money? So the first reason that most people have problems financially is due to debt. I mean, that is just flat out the problem. we got to look at debt. And that generally is the problem. It's generally what's eating it up. It's, it's two or three credit card payments and things like that. So now that costs money to pay the debt off. But the first thing we do, we stop spending money we don't have. You have to make that commitment right away, up front, you will not use your credit cards to purchase things that you can't pay for anymore, the end, over. If you won't take that step with me, I can't get you where you want to go. Because you're the person that's trying to bail out a boat with a teacup with a hole the size of a golf ball in the hole. It cannot be done. You can keep the boat floating longer, but sooner or later, the boat has to sink in that situation. There is no alternative. The boat will sink, and it will sink with you on it if you keep doing that. 
So we have to focus on plugging up the hole. We have to stop the water coming in the boat. And in the case of debt, we have to stop the, the growth of the debt itself. So the first thing you do is you stop spending money on your credit cards. You go, great, now I have less money. No, you immediately have more. I know you don't think you do, but you, you do. Because when you spend the money on the credit card, you're creating the hole. You stop the hole's growth. Now we have to plug the hole. That involves getting rid of the debt. So what we do is we practice a debt snowball technique. This is a Dave Ramsey concept. All that is is we line up all our debts. We don't worry about interest rates. We take the smallest debt we have. We scrape up every bit of extra money we can. We pay on the smallest debt first. When that debt is paid off, we go to the next debt. When that debt is paid off, we go to the next debt. And every time we pay a debt off, we take all the money that was going on the first debt and roll it over onto the payments on the second and the third. So what do we do with the second debt while we're paying on the first? We pay the minimum. That's how we do that. In a perfect situation, the best thing you could do is try to save up 500 to to $1,000 before you start the extra payments on the debt. That way, when something goes wrong, and it will, you don't stop your debt payments. You go to that reserve fund. You recharge it, and you go back to paying your debt. you got to get on a plan for that. It could take you two years to pay off your debts that way. It could take you six months. It could take you 30 days. It could take you three years. I don't know. It doesn't matter how long it takes. You have to get started. You don't do that, none of the other things are really going to work for you because you're going to keep miring yourself in consequences and all you're doing is putting off pain down the road. Now, disaster preparedness, what are we trying to do? Emergency preparedness, what are we trying to do? Survival lifestyle, what are we trying to do? We're trying to set up a system that prevents catastrophe from affecting us to a full level. We can never be totally safe. right? If a, if a, a tornado comes through and rips the roof off your house, it's done damage to you. But if you're prepared, you're better able to deal with that. So one of the things that we have to realize is if we're going to do that, then we have to stop doing things that harm ourselves. Nothing harms Americans today more than credit cards. Period. they got to go. That's step one. Step two, we now need to sit down and look and, and, and answer the question that most people have. What am I preparing for? And the answer to that question is very simple. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the disaster is. Forget about it. We can talk about that theoretically and philosophically later. It's interesting. It's intriguing. It helps us find new things we can do to be better prepared, but has no place in the beginning. When you start thinking about what you're preparing for as a new person, generally you talk yourself out of doing anything. Well, that's not that likely to happen. And then you start thinking about oh, a pandemic, and they just said we're going to have one, and it was no big deal. And All right, here's what you're preparing for. One answer, always one answer. You're preparing to deal without systems of support. You're preparing to deal without the electricity. You're preparing to deal without the water being able to turn on your faucet. You're preparing for your vehicle not to be able to go anywhere due to it being blocked or not being able to get fuel. You're preparing for the stores to have empty food shelves. You're preparing for all of those things. You're preparing for not having income like you do right now from your job or having your income cut in half because one spouse loses their job. You're preparing for anything that you generally rely on okay, to not be there. Very, very simple. Once we break that down, doing an analysis of where we were weak becomes easy. Because it doesn't matter, well, is it going to be a flu pandemic? Is it the end of the world? Is it the new world orders, black helicopter? What is it? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It could just be it was really hot or really cold, and all your neighbors pegged out their uh, thermostat one direction or the other and shut down the electrical power for a few days because they overdrew on the capacity that they were capable of generating, or it could be a war somewhere that cuts off oil. doesn't matter what it is. From the mundane to the insane, preparing for the same thing. So now we need to do the things that cost little or no money. The first thing we're going to do costs no money other than maybe a couple dollars for a folder and some ink from your printer to print it out. You're going to put together a documentation package. This is the one step that even a lot of my advanced uh, folks on this, that listen to the show been listening to it for over a year, got six months worth of food. You haven't done this. Get off your ass and do this. Put together a list. In that list is every human being that you care enough about that you might have to get in touch with. All of your family's uh, critical information, including things like social security numbers and bank account numbers. Oh my God, what if somebody gets a hold of your documentation package with bank account numbers and social security numbers? Practice what I call number off encryption. It's very simple. You set a number off. It could be one, it could be two, it could be three, it could be nine. doesn't matter what it is. Let's say it's two. 
and your first three uh, digits of your social security number are two, three, four, right? So we add two to each one. So two becomes four, three becomes five, four becomes six. You practice the same number of one-off encryption on all numbers for your internal documents. Obviously, you don't turn your health insurance uh, registration form in that way. But if everybody in the family that's old enough, wise enough, and may need to rely on those knows that system, they'll be able to decrypt those numbers without any kind of key, code, or anything like that. You just set the number and keep it constant for your family and never tell anybody what it is. Now, if uh, Chloe from... Uh, uh, what's the show at Jack Bauer? 24 gets a hold of it. Will she break that encryption in two seconds? Sure, you're not worried about Chloe. You're worried about a scumbag that breaks into your vehicle, your home, gets a hold of this thing and wants to commit identity theft. That's going to protect you as well as anything could and keep this stuff secure in the first place. In that book also goes a way to con- or a contact information for all your local emergency services and then mundane things like tree surgeons and things like that. What if it's something like we had a storm? There's been damage to your home. You've got trees laying in your driveway, sitting on top of your car, and you're a big, strong man and say, I'll cut those down myself. Well, what if you've been injured during that storm and you're not capable of doing it now? You're going to send your wife out there to do it? What if she's been injured? What if it's not the end of the world? What if it's just a small disaster and you just need something like that taken care of? You pick up a cell phone or a landline. If the landlines are still working, you make a phone call. You might wait a long time, but you're going to be first in line because you had the information readily available. I also recommend you keep an old-fashioned, plain old uh, yellow pages in the house because you can't rely on being able to look that number up on the cell network or the Internet in a disaster. Those are free. Both of those are free. In that documentation package should also go evacuation routes. Three places that you would go in at least three different directions away from where you live, and three different routes to each location. I won't go any deeper than that. I've done whole shows on documentation packages, but you can do all of that on Google Maps. You print them out. It's free. That documentation package should exist in at least triplicate. One should be in the home, and most families have two vehicles. One should be in each vehicle. And that way, if you and a family member are separated from each other, and one's in a vehicle and she's panicked and it's your wife and she doesn't know what to do. And you say, honey, you need to meet me at rally point A along route 3. And she's like, oh, I can't do it. You say, honey, open up the book, turn to page 6. That's the map. You're here on that map. Do you see that? Yes. Take this route. Go here. I'll meet you there. Free. See how simple that is. Right, so you have a plan where you would go, how you would get there, and multiple routes to get there. Label your routes. Make it simple. Don't go encrypting this. This is not, you know, rocket science here. Route A, B, C, and D. Right? Okay? Uh, location A, B, C, and D. What have you. you got to get that done. The next thing we need to do is we need to make sure that you have at least 72 hours, three days worth of food that is specifically for the purpose of you can't leave, you can't go to the store, and everybody in the home eats. So that's nine meals per person of food that has long-term shelf life capabilities. So take your ass to Walmart or the, or the grocery store and buy things that everybody already eats that has at least six months of shelf life. Get yourself a Rubbermaid tub or a five-gallon bucket Write a 72 kit on it, put nine meals for everybody in your home, and then go a little bit extra. Go for two more people, which either extends the life cycle for the people that are there or allows you to take a relative or two in for at least three days. That should cost you 25 30 bucks. Buy cheap stuff, pasta, sauce, rice, pre-mixed things, easy things to cook, Right? Very, very simple. Get yourself a decent grill. Uh, if it's propane, have at least three propane tanks. That'll cost you about 70 bucks for three propane tanks. It's worth doing. If you just have a charcoal grill, that's fine. Uh, get yourself, you know, 10 bags of charcoal stored somewhere dry. At least you can cook. Now, the problem with those things is you can't cook internally with them. You also probably want to look at getting a decent little camp stove, even a little butane stove. Um, even though you're in a situation where maybe those shouldn't be used in, in the, inside the home either, if it's really cold or raining, you can basically use like the little butane camp stoves, open a window and cook right in the window, right? Um, you can get a good air exchange. You might lose some heat during that period, uh, but at least you can cook. 
these are some basic things. Long term, I would suggest you get yourself a decent generator in the four to seven uh, kilowatt uh, range. Uh, that'll be enough to run a you know one burner on a stove or a microwave or something like that during a short period. The, under, the understanding with generators is they're only as good as the fuel length you have. So if you have three days worth of fuel, your generator is good for three days. If it has no fuel, it's useless. It's a big paperweight. So you have to make sure you have enough fuel to go with that. Really recommend, this is not month one, but long term when your first big purchases is a decent generator. Keep a few lights on. You can keep the you run the refrigerator two or three hours, uh, two or three times a day. You run, you know, if you have a deep chest freezer, you run that maybe two hours twice a day. You'll keep the food through that period. You don't have to run the generator that much. Really a good thing to do. Now it's time to start thinking beyond three days. And you really need to start thinking beyond three days before you do the generator set. I'm just kind of throwing some things in here that you need to be thinking about. Because if you have the financial means, a generator is one of the best things you'll ever purchase and enough fuel to run it for two weeks if you can find a place to store it. Now, what do you do about fuel's life expectancy? Well, there's a product called Stabil. You throw that in the fuel, and it extends its storage uh, life. My simple method, though, is let's say you have 25 cans of gasoline in five-gallon cans. Every time you fill your vehicle up, take one of the cans, dump it in your vehicle, take the can with you to the gas station, refill the can, bring it home, put it at the end of the line. You'll never have that fuel go bad. And you'll always have that 25 gallons. You do that with 50 gallons if you want to. Uh, and I do like five-gallon cans for this because they're portable. If you end up in a situation, you, it's very easy to use only a portion of it. If you need to give some away to a partner or a friend, it's easier to do than when you have you know, a, a bunch of 50-gallon drums. It's less of a target. It's easier to break up and hide if we ever get into that level of a situation. So there's a lot of flexibility there. I'm not saying that I'm against a large fuel bladder or something like that for long-term storage, but, again, we're with new people today, folks. People are just getting started. So generator and fuel, more of a long-term item, but something that really goes high on the priority list for me. But now what we need to do is we need to extend our capabilities with food. And you said, Jack, we're talking about low-cost, no-cost things. Well, extending your food capabilities can be a less cost than you're already spending if you're smart about how you do it. You practice what's called opportunity buys. That means that we go out and we look for things that we can purchase in the store that store for at least six months that we eat anyway. And when we find them on sale, we buy extras. We start to build a rotational pantry, just like our grandparents had. And instead of having one jar of spaghetti sauce or one can of whatever soup that we like, we have ten. And we have them shelved just like in the supermarket. We take one from the front, we pull the whole thing to the front in the pantry, we add one to the back. You don't have a deep pantry? Great, you go out and you get yourself a couple more buckets or tubs, and we create a little inventory section for ourselves somewhere in a closet in the house or the garage or a cellar or a basement if we have that or a shed if we have something that's not going to get too hot and, and make it harder for the food to stay well or too cold and freeze. Any place that's relatively climate controlled will work for doing this with storable foods. Remember, anything in the center of your grocery store is relatively storable. We stock up with a little bit more of the things that are long-term storables uh, that, that have very long shelf lives. Pasta, beans, rice, huge shelf lives. So I'm not saying go out and buy 10 cases of this stuff. I'm just saying it's really easy to get a 5-gallon bucket and completely fill that one 5-gallon bucket with spaghetti. It's really easy to get another one and go buy just, you know, 25 bucks will buy you an amazing variety of dry beans and fill that one up and get another one and fill it up with rice. And you do that and you're out 75 bucks and you've got a massive amount of long-term capability to at least stay alive. Will you be happy? Will you be you know, content? Will you be like, man, this is great, I'm eating like a king? No. But everybody will have food in their stomach every day. And those are easy to put aside. And if you don't use them as frequently as you should, if you're not good about your rotation initially and things like that, they still have very, very long shelf lives. So we start then working to get ourselves to 30 days worth of food so that you can feed everybody three meals a day for 30 days. You get there and you are able to deal with most, not all, the situations that will come. You just keep doing that. and start. Then we start saying, okay, where can we go get some commercially prepared long-term storables like Mountain House, Providing Pantry, Yoders, and we start to buy a little bit at a time. Not a giant case unless if you have... 
millions of dollars, then you should just go ahead and set everything up. But for the rest of us in the real world, we start adding a few cans of this, maybe a case of that. We actually buy something, and we go ahead and we open that long-term storable, and we cook with it. We learn how to use it. We learn how to prepare it. We learn if we like it or not. If we like it, it's something we continue to buy. If you keep following that process, it'll be amazing how quick, probably about six months of your life, you'll get to having about 90 days of sustainability, three months of food that you could rely on in a catastrophe. And it'll be relatively long-term storage food, or it'll be food that you're constantly using and rotating anyway, one or the other. It'll be very portable and very flexible. You'll be familiar with it. And you'll know how to use it. If you just go out to one of the big suppliers and order a pallet of food for $6,000, you'll put it in your garage. You'll never use it, and one day you'll regret buying it unless something goes wrong. And even if something goes wrong, you're not going to be as prepared to use it because you're not going to be familiar with it. You're not going to have the variety that you would want. You're going to have a six-year-old kid upset because he's eating beans for the 15th day in a row. So you take your time and you do these things moderately. Along the lines of doing all, and right at the same time you're doing all these other things, take an inventory of everything you have. Every way you have to produce light and fire in your home right now, find it without the power being on. Flashlights, lanterns, um, lighters, candles, everything like that. Find everything you already have, put it all on a table and look at it, and then think of the best places for it to be stored and readily accessible, and put it in an organized fashion away back on the shelf so it's not scattered all over the house. I mean, most Americans are at least aware enough to know that the power can go out, and it usually goes off at night. And we have candles, and we have batteries, and we have flashlights, and we have things like that. But we don't know where they are. We have flashlights, and we have batteries, but the batteries we have don't go to that flashlight, and the batteries in the flashlight are in their last legs. We turn it on, and it goes dead, and we're in a dark house trying to find our supplies that we actually have. So all I'm saying is you don't have to spend money to assess what you already have. As you assess it, you'll realize, okay, I've got four flashlights, and two of them use D batteries, and I have no D batteries. You know what to do. Wherever you store those flashlights, go get a few packages of D batteries, store batteries with them. It, it is that simple. I really recommend that you go get a good emergency radio. Um, I did a review of the Cato Voyager. I hated it. Everybody else that has one says they loved it. Maybe I got a lemon. I can't recommend it. Grundig makes some really affordable, simple emergency uh, radios. They use regular batteries, and when the batteries run out, you can crank them. Uh, and you get a, an electrical charge just by cranking them, and you can continue to get information from outside um, for a long time, for actually forever. As long as you have enough um, physical ability to turn a crank, you can keep the radio running. And for those that aren't familiar with them, it's not like I get to sit there and crank it while it's going, and when you stop, it turns off. It actually charges up rechargeable batteries, and you can crank it for about five minutes, and you'll get about, uh, mine will get about 25 minutes of radio play off of a five-minute crank. Um, so pass it around to the wife and the kids, and uh, you can keep it going. And it's really a comfort to be able to know what's going on when the electrical grid's down. Because usually the radio stations continue, and most of these radios have some shortwave bands, so you may be able to pick up some information that would not normally be available on conventional radio stations, and even if some of those are off the air. So that's another thing I definitely recommend. And I know I'm leaving a lot of things out, folks. I understand that. I'm not planning on doing the exhaustive list today. I just want people thinking about the basic things. All right? So now we can feed ourselves for some period of time, depending on what part of our plan we're in. If we have to leave, we know where we're going. We know where all our existing supplies that we have are. The next thing we need to think about is medicine. And, uh, again, it's not really an order. This is like all these things need to be concurrent because they're all relatively easy to do. Go into your medicine cabinet, your shelves, your cabinets, get all of your first aid supplies, throw them on a table, just like we did with all our lights and fire-making tools. All right? Just set them there. Break them up into what they are, antacids, painkillers, prescription meds that we didn't use all of. You know, if you have antibiotics, never throw them away. Vacuum seal those suckers, you know? Um, the only thing that ever happens to an antibiotic long term, most of them, there's one that can go bad on you. I don't remember what that one is. I think it's tetracycline, but most of them, they don't go bad on you. They just stop working. So anything we can do to extend the life of those, but have all your medical supplies and then realize where you're weak. And, and, and it's important to have the basic stuff that's usually available over the counter and cheap. Um, I believe make sure with painkillers you have all three of the big ones. 
the Tylenol, which is acetaminophen, by the generics, there's no difference. Uh, ibuprofen, which is like Motrin, by the generic, there's no difference. And aspirin, by the cheap aspirin. If you have those three, because different people have different responses to different painkillers. Uh, if I take an aspirin when I have a headache, it's gone in an instant. Uh, if I take a uh, Motrin, it doesn't seem to help. So, you know, and other people are completely the other way around. So having that. And acids are a big deal. You might be eating the same food over and over again that you're not accustomed to in a long-term situation. They can do a lot to help you. So you're like Tums, Pepto-Bismol, stuff like that. Uh, insect, uh, stuff that you can treat, insect bites, scrapes, burns, so bactine, uh, disinfectants, antibiotic ointments, and things like that. All right. And, uh, you know, bandages, pressure bandages, band-aids, um, calamine lotion. Make sure you have a good solid first aid kit. This is another thing that can be a, a Tupperware tub, right? Uh, a pair of scissors, probably a, a scalpel or two. Uh, you don't know when you might have to use that. Uh, a pair of forceps, a surgical needle, even sutures. Uh, in a pinch, anybody can uh, do basic sutures on a wound that really needs to be sutured, uh, especially on an arm or a leg or something like that. It might not be, conf- it might be comfortable. It may not be uh, uh, the best job that a good surgeon would do, uh, but it can make sure that a wound heals. Uh, and, and generally, it's not necessary, but we do plan for the, the worst-case scenario, even though we hope for the best. So a good, solid first aid kit put together like that. And again, that doesn't have to cost a lot of money. Odds are half of it's already in your home. It's a matter of going to every extremity of your home and getting it and bring it to one place and looking at it. Now, here's the thing, folks. If you do the things I've talked about so far today, you're going to start to feel better. You're going to start to realize that, hey, this is doable. That's what I want out of you today. That's why I'm leaving so many little things that everybody thinks we need. Because we've had shows where we've talked about, you know, 20 things nobody ever talks about that are good survival tools. And you should probably listen to those two shows if you're a new person. Because you'll find that a lot of them are sitting in your tool shed or your garage right now. You just need to be aware of them and what they're capable of doing. I also think it's a good idea to start to just sit down once in a while. Sit down in your living room. Turn off all the noise, all the TV, the radio, the computer, everything, and sit. Turn down the light so you have one little dim light, and you can think clearly and say to yourself, okay, if right now the power was out, we couldn't leave our home, don't worry about why. And we had to stay here for a week. Even though we've got ourselves relatively prepared, what other things could we need? And all of a sudden, the answers will just come to you. Take a little journal, write them down. That's the best way for you to prepare. All of the things that I'm telling you can only have so much effect on your life because they're mine. I came up with them. They're my ideas. They're the things I think that are important. Some of them you absolutely need. An initial three days worth of food outside of the food that's already always in your home. Because most people go, well, i got three days worth of food in my home all the time. This is an extra three days. Because now you have six. See how that works. Most people have a week. I think a lot of preparedness people say, oh, the average American has three days worth of food. They don't. I guarantee you in most most American homes, if you had to stay there for a week, you'd survive. You might be miserable. You might be eating some canned foods that they just hadn't yet given a goodwill or whatever. Um, but you would you could go five days to a week. So when you add three days to that, now you're at, you know, ten days, Right. And that's extra food. And remember, we do another two days on top of that so that we can either extend it to five or bring in Aunt Edna or whatever. So you got to do that, right? And you got to get to 30 days. I, I don't care if you think that's too much. That's not too much. There's no way 30 days worth of redundancy is too much. And here's the beauty. Once you've done the three days plus the five days that are already in everybody's home plus the extra two days to cover Aunt Edna, You're at 10 days, you only need to add 20 days of sustainability. So all you need to do is triple the food in your home at that point and make sure that it's rotational foods that you use anyway. So there's no excuse not to get there. But most everything else, so maybe you don't need to put all your flashlights and lighters and and stoves and uh, things like that on the table. Maybe you already know where they are. Maybe you just need to kind of reaffirm that. Maybe you already have a great first aid kit. Maybe you just need to add a few things to it. Maybe you don't need to do it the exact way I said. 
but you need to do it one way or another. My, my, my thing is, you need to do it your way in a way that you'll believe, but you need to take this stuff seriously. If I could be a little bit more direct, uh, I cuss on the show from time to time, I'm going to say it here because you need to get this. You need to take this shit seriously. Period. Because your life, and more importantly, the lives of people you love could depend on it. All we have to do is look south right now to the island of Haiti and see what one earthquake did. And I heard a news report last night with Bill Clinton. You know what he said? What these people need right now is support, emergency supplies, medical supplies, food, and water. Medical supplies, food, water, and emergency supplies. Their whole life's turned upside down. They need those four essentials. You right now can acquire those four essentials. Water by turning your faucet and having a container to store it in. Food by going to the grocery store and buying food dirt cheap compared to what some people have to pay for food in some parts of the world based on what their living wage is. Medical supplies, Costco, Rite Aid, okay, Walgreens, the medical supply section of the grocery store, Walmart, dirt cheap. Emergency supplies. Those are going to be things like blankets, pillows, Maybe a tent. I think everybody should have a tent. You can get a dirt cheap tent, sleeping bags, ways to stay warm. These people just had their entire life turned upside down. What do they need most? The things that we take for granted every day that you can just go get. That's what they need most. Isn't that really amazing? That that's really what they need more than anything else. Doesn't that say something about our unwillingness to get off our collective asses and make sure that we could just be okay for a month. If we lived in a nation where the average American wasn't going out spending themselves into oblivion with credit cards, even if they had debt, were at least on a plan to eliminate the debt so they didn't end up retiring with credit card debt still, which is where most Americans are going to be today, had 30 days of sustainability in their homes, how strong would this nation be? How powerful would this nation's people be? And here's where the politics comes in. If we had most Americans living that way right now, how much bullshit would we put up with politicians? How willing would people be to sell out their souls for government health care? How willing would people be to allow these clowns to continuously disappoint us and yet put them back in office? People think that the government's not a reflection of the people of this country. Right now, the government is a direct reflection of the majority of the people in this country. I know that may turn some of you guys' stomachs the wrong way, and you may think I'm wrong, but it's not wrong. Go to any city of more than 2 million people and talk to most of the people in that city, and they may bitch and gripe and moan about the government, but when you ask them, what do you want? I want this, I want that, I want this, I want that. I've talked to so many people that say the government should be doing less. And they say, no, they should be doing more. What do we send them there for? Good question. We send them there to protect our liberties. That's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to make life livable. That's it. They're supposed to protect our rights. That's it. But the problem is because people are weak. And I don't use weak in a condescending way. I don't use weak in a negative way. I don't use weak in a mean way. I use weak in a reality way. They're weak because if I shut your power off and cut off the water and cut off the gas to your house in a, in a five-day period, you've completely fallen apart. You're weak. Send fix that. And the average American should not be weak. The majority of us should be strong enough to go 30 days that way. And that's all it takes. And a lot of the really big disasters that we're preparing for will never happen if we get the majority of people to do just that much. And if we add to it, turn your backyard into a food production machine. Start out with a simple little square foot garden or a little raised bed garden, but plant some bushes, trees, and vines to produce food. 
on an ongoing basis. Talk to your neighbor. Buy your neighbor a freaking fruit tree. Seriously. Say to your neighbor, hey, look, uh, I'm going to plant an apple tree. He goes, oh, great, I don't care. Do whatever you want. You know, I need a second variety of apple for cross-pollination. I don't have room for a second apple. Would you like an apple tree? I will buy you an apple tree. I'll come over to your yard and I will plant it for you. And if he says no, you probably have more than one neighbor. Talk to the other one. Talk to the third one. Some of you guys have four or five people that are adjacent to you on a fence line if you're living in suburbia. Talk to all of them. Buy them all a fruit tree. Reach out to your neighbor. Build your community. Don't go around advertising. Hey, I, I got six months worth of food, everybody. Look, you should do it too. But le- at least start the conversations. Know the names of your neighbors. That's free. Know their first names. All of them. Get involved. When you grow something in your garden, take some food over. Share it with them. Spread that bug. If we have millions of Americans able to go 30 days and millions of Americans producing food in their own backyards, whether it be a 40-acre homestead or a tenth of an acre lot in the city, we have even more redundancy. We have less dependency. We start to turn things around. Because the best way to make it through a disaster is to stop the disaster before it happens or prevent it from become, going from a mid-sized disaster into a catastrophe. That's the best way to do it. Martial arts, they teach you the best way to block your opponent's strike is to simply not be there when the strike arrives. If you block the strike, you're still vulnerable. If you avoid the strike altogether, your opponent strikes there, becomes weak, and now you can overpower him. That's how disasters are. Disasters are generally the thing that causes the disaster is acute. It has a spike, a period of duration, and it's gone. The aftermath is caused by all the people that panic, and they make the disaster into a mega-disaster. Let's look at something like the earthquake in Haiti. If those people don't get relief supplies, and they will, because they happen to be at a point of danger, surrounded by multiple points of safety, and everybody's rallying around, but if we went three days without uh, support coming in to help those people, that place would make Katrina look like a joke. Absolutely make Katrina look like a joke. Now, why will it get that bad? Will it get that bad because of the earthquake? Or will it get that bad because of what people do when they're hungry, when they're scared, and when they're desperate? You tell me. Which one, which one is the real problem? The earthquake? Or the unpreparedness of the people in the earthquake and their reaction due to their lack of preparedness. That's what can happen in America. We're pretty arrogant to think that we're somehow immune from all of these things. I don't care how much of an overblown pile of crap the recent swine flu non-pandemic was. For us to go under the illusion that we'll never have a deadly lethal pandemic is just arrogant. Arrogant is not Americans, it's a species of humans. That's something that sooner or later we're going to have to contend with. Well, if you don't get sick, you think you're okay. But what happens when all the infrastructure breaks down around you and you don't have any sustainability whatsoever? Now you have to go out into the real danger that more than the disease is the reaction to people to the disease and the reaction of people that are not prepared. This is why you have to start. Because your neighbor will do you harm if it means feeding his child versus watching his child starve. People will do things they will never, ever do in normal life when it means saving a loved one's life. You will do things that you would never do, ever, in a crisis situation to save the life of your child, you'll beat another man with a club and steal his food. And then you'll starve yourself, but you'll know your child ate that day and you gave him one more day with food in his stomach. You'll do that. I know you think you won't. Some of you are like, no, I would never do that. What would you do if it was your child, your wife, your husband, laying in front of you starving? actually in hunger pains, the final throes of death, needing food that bad. You do some pretty terrible things. 
because you're human and your instinct is to survive and to help those you love survive even more than your own personal survival. So all I'm saying is instead of ever staring into that dark abyss, ever having to make that choice, right now while it's easy, prevent yourself from ever being there. Let me say it again. Prevent yourself from ever being there. Food's so cheap. Think it's expensive. Look at the grocery bill. 250 bucks this week. Wow. That's expensive. Look at what we have at the end of that $250. And how much of that $250 isn't really food. It's the junk that we add in that we don't really need. Abstain from that junk, 50 bucks a week, for, I don't know, however long you need to keep adding more food to get your redundancy back. You notice I'm not telling you, like, avoid life, you know. Don't, don't, uh, don't have anything good in your life. Don't have any luxuries in your life. All I'm saying is let's, let's shore up the necessities first. If you couldn't afford gas, you wouldn't buy a car. You'd save up some money so you could buy gas and insurance. Then you save up some car money, then you buy a car, then you can put gas in the car, and you can go somewhere insured. You don't get pulled over, and you don't go to jail, right? You can go to work, make more money, and you can keep paying for the car. But if you don't have enough money to put gas in the car, the car is useless. Well, most And here's the other thing. Most people don't go to the gas station every day. Stop by the gas station every day, put two gallons of gas in the car, that's all I'll need for today. Drive around and the next day need another two gallons of gas. But we run our homes that way. We run our houses that way. We go to the grocery store once a week, once every two weeks, whatever it is. And what do people say right before, well, we got to go to the store, the shelves are empty. Man, we're out of, we don't have anything in the house. How many times have you said that or heard your spouse say that? Murphy's Law is a constant, man. That's right when life is going to kick you square between the legs. The day before you go. Here's the thing. If you pay attention to whoever's turned you on to this show, or whatever in your gut has told you you need to do this, if you get prepared, at least a little bit, at least for a month, you will absolutely never in your life regret it if you do it the way I said today. Slow, methodically, logically, with a clear level head under your own terms. You will never, ever, ever regret it. You could live to be 101 years old, kill over as an old man or a woman, never have to use a single bit of your preparations, and then at last day, whatever regrets you have in your life, it will never be, Dadgone it, I wish I hadn't been prepared for all these years. But... If you don't do it, and one time you need it, you'll have a sinking pit in your stomach saying, I wish I would have done this when it was easy. You've probably felt that sinking pit in your stomach. It happens every time the car makes a funny noise and you think you're going to be stuck on the side of the road and you're not sure what you'll do. Or the lights flicker and the power might go out in the middle of the night and it's five degrees outside. Or the lights flicker and almost go off and it's 105 degrees outside. Or maybe when you heard about the new pandemic flu that ended up being a non-event, but we didn't know what it was going to be yet, maybe you felt it then. The problem with that feeling is as valuable as it is, it goes away in an instant, and it's gone. We forget about it. So quickly, we become comfortable again problem is it's still there. It's still nagging in the back of our minds and we have this fear and then we act in life in ways that we shouldn't act because of that fear but we don't know it's there. It's like a cancer eating away at us. So we do stupid things like buy shiny things with shiny credit cards and make the problem worse. And then we wonder why the fear doesn't go away. And then the lights flicker again or a news story scares us again and the feeling comes back and it's worse this time. It goes away and we bury it again. And the cancer of fear metastasizes further and does more damage in our lives. But you could do every single thing I said today, including a generator, for $1,000 or less. And that's it. And there will be no ongoing expense because the food you're rotating through, you're eating, you're going to buy it anyway. When you update your documentation package, okay, you spent two cents for another sheet of paper to print out, uh, times three, so all of them are the same. 
but it's not really expensive. It doesn't really have a lot of costs. It just involves you looking around and saying that what I have is worth fighting for, it's worth keeping, and damn it, no one's going to take it away from me. And right now, when it's easy to make sure that I can take care of my family, I can take care of my friends, and I can take care of myself, I'm going to take the actions today instead of waiting until tomorrow, because tomorrow just might be when life kicks me dead square in the ass, or worse. But it's up to you. I've given you steps to take to start today. And I imagine if you're listening to the show today and you've been listening to me for a year and you're well prepared, I still kicked you in the ass somewhere today. Wherever that point was, wherever your weakness was felt, shore it up. Because all preparedness is. Basic level of preparedness for a week. Basic level of preparedness for 30 days. Extend from there. Constantly examine when you find a weakness, compensate for it. Every day just go, where am I weak? One little thing, shore it up. A year later, you have a debt-free life. You're under your own control. If you lost your job, you wouldn't even care because you can put food on the table and keep a roof over your head. That's the main reason we go to work anyway. If a disaster comes, you're going to get through it. If it doesn't kill you instantly, you're going to get through it. And if it kills you instantly, your family's going to get through it. Same reason people buy life insurance, which, by the way, that's part of your preps. Make sure you have life insurance on the adults in your home and some on the kids, too. Hate to think about it, but, you know, that's part of preparedness. And that's really it. Choice is yours now. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to take it and run with it? Or, or once again, you're going to take that feeling that's in the pit of your stomach and bury it and let it metastasize in the greater fear in your life. It's your choice. Absolutely your choice. My choice is I don't have any more time for fear. None. Zero. Zilch. There is no room for fear in my life. I have the healthy humanic fear that we're all given as a gift. It keeps us alive. Right? That fear is I'm standing in a road here because of a car barreling out of me. My fear makes me instinctually jump out of the way. That is healthy fear. And anything like that is a healthy fear. Hey, why don't you go over there and... Try to wrestle that bull to the ground that weighs 1,600 pounds like he's a a 250-pound steer. Uh, No, I think I'll abstain from that. I'm afraid he'll kill me. Healthy fear. But all the fears that we walk around with in our hearts and in our minds and in our souls and affect the way we treat and act toward other people, I have no freaking time for it anymore, and you don't either. Your life is precious. It's precious to you. It's precious to those that are around you. Fear destroys it. One of the biggest fears we have as humans, because it's in our genetic makeup, can I eat? Can I survive? Can I be warm? Can I keep from being too hot? Can I have water? And can I take care of my family unit? Those are the six big fears. That's it. Well, folks, for under a thousand bucks, not spent with me, I don't want your money. For under a thousand bucks, you can take those six fears away. For at least a month. Here's the beauty about a month of sustainability. When you're in a crisis situation and you have a month to think about what to do next, it's easy to figure out what to do next. When you have a, a day to figure out what to do next, it's very, very difficult to figure out what to do next. You panic, you don't think clearly, and it's hard to find more. If you have a month's worth of food, finding two weeks worth of food during that month is easy. If you have one day's worth of food, finding the next 30 days' worth of food is very, very hard. These are simple facts, simple fundamentals. I hope I've spoken to you today, to your heart, to your soul, to make you understand that I don't do this because I think I'm right or I'm smart or I'm better than anybody. I don't do this because I think I'm the most prepared person in the world because there's audience members that are way more prepared than I am. I do this because I care about my nation and I care about everybody that takes 10 seconds out of their life to ever listen to this show even one time. And I do not want people to squander the opportunity that you have right now to get rid of your fears and to make sure if something goes wrong, you're going to be there for your family. Because I want you to live the show credo. I want you to have a better life. If times get tough... Or even if they don't. Everything I've told you today will make your life better every day, even if we never have a disaster. And like I said, if you end up being that 101-year-old man or woman, you'll never regret the decision. 
But life has a way of making sure that if you don't do it, somewhere between now and then, you'll have many times and many potentials for regret. And a whole lot more opportunity for that gut-sinking feeling and that fear cancer to destroy your life in a variety of ways. It doesn't have to be that way. And as crazy as it sounds, it starts with a couple trips to the grocery store with a few extra items and assessing the things that you already have. Do that. And you will make a better life for yourself. And if something goes wrong, you'll be able to take care of the people that you love. This has been Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. Helping you figure out how to live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Makes you wonder where your money went. You can scream and you can holler. It doesn't matter cause it all gets spent